Welcome to the Bare Naked Health Podcast, where I interview the absolute best health and wellness practitioners from across the globe to show you what they do so that you can do it too. This is because, like you, I did not always feel that health was easy. I had tried different diets, countless exercise plans, but often felt misled by an industry that thrives on you not really getting healthy and always spending money on the next new thing. Because of this, I'm getting bare naked on health and pulling back the curtain to show you that being truly healthy is simple. Wherever you are in your health journey, I want to show you that with minimal effort, you can get maximum results and do what you love, play with your kids, go for a hike, and crush it in your business all while feeling great. To give you a kickstart, I encourage you to go over to BarenakedHealthPodcast.com to get the top 10 world-class nutrition tips from the experts that have been on the show, and you will see what simple health can be. Hey guys, I'm your host, Nick Horowski, and welcome to the Bare Naked Health Podcast, episode number 55. In today's episode, I interview author and holistic health coach, Kate Deering. Be sure to stick around for the end of the episode to learn why salt, sugar, and fat are not bad, but misunderstood, as well as why you should never put your health in someone else's hands. Alrighty guys, on the line today, I have Kate Deering. Now, Kate, first question that I ask everybody who comes on the Bare Naked Health Podcast is, tell us about your health journey in 10 sentences or less. Wow, the 10 sentences. Yeah, <laughs> approximately. I would say my health journey started uh, about at age 15 when I started to learn about the difference between looking good and, and looking at magazines and thinking like, that's what I want to be. I want to be that thin, uh, sexy looking person in the magazine. So probably most diets that I participated in for long periods of time were all about looking lean, looking, looking the part of what I thought was healthy. And long story short, what ends up happening is I realized that just because you look healthy does not mean you are healthy. And so I had to start developing a different definition as to what I thought health was, which kind of created the book that I wrote, How to Heal Your Metabolism. Well, I'm curious then, what, what would be your definition of health currently? Well, I would say my definition of health would be a high running metabolism. And so that would be a warm body, warm hands and feet and nose, um, good digestion, good sleep, good energy all day long, um, good mood. And, you know, general overall feelings versus not to say you can't have a lean body because that certainly can come with it, but it's more of just how are you feeling? How are you operating this world and and stuff like that? Okay. So, I mean, I I do want to talk about the book a little bit too, because I I was definitely enthralled with your book and I think people should check this out, whether they buy into it or not. I mean, it doesn't matter. Like the thing is, is everybody's different. Everybody's going to find what works for them. And I think that's something that you, it took you a while to get to, right? If you want to, if you want to even share people like, uh, that journey of, of kind of even discovering about nutrition, because again, some of the books that you, or I'm sorry, some of the things you talk about in the book are, well, probably controversial to some people, uh, because they haven't really looked into it as much. Sure. Um, but yeah, please expand on that and where that's taken you up to today. 
Well, I mean, currently now, you know, I'm, I, I do nutritional coaching. I've been in the health and nutrition world for over 20 years. And, I, you know, like I said, I think everybody has their own journey and what they're doing right now might work for them. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean it's going to work for them forever, but it's an understanding. Sometimes you have to go through things that don't work to figure out what does work. And I think that's what a lot of people end up going to this philosophy because many people have already gone through 10 different diets, 10 different nutritional approaches. And what I've learned is that most of the other nutritional approaches work very short term and they, they might get you a quick result. They might you know, work for six months, a year, and then all of a sudden things start to deteriorate. And that was kind of my journey. Every time I would do something, it would work for a good year. And then I found that I had to work harder at it. And it seemed to be harder to get to the result that I was looking for. And I, and I believe a lot of people go through that experience and they just say, well, I'm getting older, so things are going to be harder. And I just started to, to not d- agree with that approach. And when you started to realize if you could start healing the body versus most diet approaches break down the body, that you could actually have a long, healthy life with less effort and still have the body that you're looking for. So for me, that went through, uh, I you know went through job-wise, working in the health club industry, working as a personal trainer, uh, going through check practitioner training, through a nutritional coaching program, and then kind of becoming my own researcher and researching the likes of Josh Rubin, Ray Pete, Constant Martin, Gilbert Ling, and Danny Roddy. And a lot of those guys that kind of were looking outside the box, outside of what generally most nutritional approaches or schooling approaches are teaching today. Yeah, and I think... That's something that needs to be done. I mean, of course, we're talking about nutrition here, but probably just about any aspect of health. Uh, if you start looking outside the box, you're going to probably you're, you're more than likely going to start finding some good answers on things. Um, going off of that, so you talk about sugar a lot in the book, and I feel like sugar is something that's very misunderstood. Uh, would you kind of care to elaborate on uh, what sugar almost means to you and? why it's been vilified by so many people. Yeah, you're, you're opening up the, the box right there. When you start... <laughs> Sugar, to, to many, they just think it's this evil substance that's going to make them fat, diabetes, cancer, and everything it is linked to in today's society. And I think the general misconception is that people have to understand that sugar is your body's best source of energy. And, you know, that's essentially fructose and glucose. And it doesn't matter in what form it's coming in. It is still your best source of energy. Now, sugar is a highly metabolic substance. And so it needs to be combined with nutrition anytime you consume it or you're going to end up having something like a nutritional deficiency. And so today, I think what gets the problems lies, most of the studies are coming out on sugar is it's all based on overconsumption meaning people are consuming way more than their body can actually utilize or burn. And so when that happens, the rest is going to be stored as fat and in the, and it's going to create some dysfunction. But it's not necessarily the sugar's problem. It's more of the overconsumption of something. Just like if you were to overconsume water or even overtake in oxygen, you can have some negative effects. And so the research today is, is, is based on these theories. And then they're saying, well, you shouldn't have any sugar. And that's just not true. It's, it's just being taken out of context. And so what people are doing is they're is completely eliminating this very valuable macronutrient and then shifting how their bodies are utilizing energy and they're utilizing fats or proteins as energy 
which your body can do. It's very adaptive, but it's just not as efficient. And it, your body doesn't run, a, uh, run as well. And then you start creating some long-term damage unknowingly that that's what you're doing. And so, you know, what I essentially teach people is kind of how to get back on and utilizing sugar as your natural energy so that your body can start working well again. So you talked about in there uh, combining it with nutrition. Uh, could you expand upon that? Like, what, what does that really entail, uh, making sure that it's combined with other forms of nutrition? Then? Right, right. That's a good question. So what that essentially means is eating foods that have sugar and nutrition is essentially fruits, um, juices, milk can be utilized in that, um, honey can be a good alternative. You know, these are natural sugars that have that are full, filled with nutrition so that, you know, when your metabolism does increase, it gets the nutritional needs as well. So obviously eating foods that just contain a lot of sugar and other, other items in there like polyunsaturated fats or flour, that this would be things like cookies and cakes and all of those. There's no nutritional value in those foods. Now, the sugar in there is essentially still not the, the issue. The sugar is, the problem more is that those foods are lacking in nutritional value and then they're very easy to overconsume. So, and there's a lot of other things in there that are not good for your body. So when you do consume the sugars, if you do want a high metabolic rate, it's best to consume the ones that have the nutrition. Like I said, fruits are a really great option. Juices are a great option. Um, honey and so forth. It's okay. I'm interested in your take on, because I know this is something that's huge right now, like the cyclic low carb where, okay, you might go for a few days, even a few weeks on a low carb diet and then you really bump up to the high carb diet. What, why is that such a big fad versus going on where, and you talk about even in the book is like, okay, you got to make sure you're getting this steady supply for lack of a better term, I guess, where it's, okay, you're eating regular intervals and keeping your blood sugar balanced properly. So are you talking about people that go from, you know, consuming very, very low calorie or low carbohydrate? So that is a big rage right now. And mm -hmm. the problem is, is it works, is that when people do low carbohydrate diets, they actually will lose weight quite quickly and then they can get lean quite quickly. And essentially, you know, our society is built on very short-term results quickly. So it, that's what people jump on that back. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. If you look around, yeah. you want, everyone wants everything yesterday. And so when you can configure a diet that does produce these quick results, they're like, well, that's what I should do. And, you know, and some people feel better on it. I mean, essentially, it is a lot of times when they go on low-carbohydrate diets, they are eliminating a lot of the really processed foods that they have been eating. So it could possibly be better than what they're doing. However, when you start doing that, once again, you're depriving your body of its best energy source, right? Carbohydrates and sugars are energy, right? Proteins and fats can be used, but it's just not as effective and they don't work as well. They don't produce as much energy or heat and they start having issues along down the road. So, you know, people will do them, get their results, and then they start hitting a wall. And it could be six months. It could be a year down the road. And, and then all of a sudden things are not working as well. And, the, and their body has created an adaptation process because your body is super cool that way, that it, it can create this adaptation. But while doing that, it usually creates dysfunction in other areas of your body. And I think that's where, if you look more of an ancestral look at it, where, okay, as all the fruits, vegetables, everything started to become very abundant during the early summer months, like, okay, everybody was eating all of that sugar. Like, by the end of the summer into the fall, everybody would be fat and happy. And then they would go into that low carb state over the winter, lean out, but they're going in these 
probably six months uh, at a time of one versus another. And like you said, but that's probably about the time where, okay, your body's going to start adapting to it and it's going to become uh, almost stagnant in, in that state, but they're going to be, again, shifting. And today now, I guess it's a little different where we have everything available to us all at once. Uh, is, right. Go ahead, please. Yeah. Well, like I said, our body has become adaptive. I mean, it's it's very different from a time when you didn't have refrigeration and all the things that we do have today. And, you know, you're right in a sense in, in past, long time ago, when, you know, if all of a sudden the summer months would run out and fruit wasn't as available. All your summer are, is available during the winter times, but you would, you would eat, consume less carbohydrates. But the adaptation process, maybe if it was four months or five months, by the time it came back around, I think your body can soon adapt back to that you know, consuming the more sugars and the more energetic, you know, state versus what we've been doing in today's world, which is going from one poor diet to the next poor diet. And because usually 99% of diets out there are either low carbohydrate, low calorie, or low fat, they're, they're depriving you of something. And if any diet out there is, you feel deprived on, let's say, meaning you're just hungry, or you're just having cravings, or any of those things are happening to you that it is absolutely the wrong diet because the right diet will never do that to you. Now, talks about uh, sugars before, and I, I'm curious, what are some of your favorite sugars that you like to consume? I mean, you talked a little bit about the fruit, honey, milk, um, but any, any in particular or any ones that really you have found to be most beneficial for yourself? I work well. Um, I consume a lot of orange juice, a lot of pulp-free orange juice, uh, probably four to five cups a day, which everybody thinks is just insane. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, this is something that I have built up over five years. This isn't something that I started, you know, right from the get-go. Um, it was a new and foreign thing for me to consume orange juice five or six years ago. But now I, it's, you know, I go through these bottles very quickly. Um, I also love honey. Honey, to me, is a very quick source of energy. Um, I will consume spoonfuls of honey with uh, cheese or cottage cheese or, you know, it's just very easy and it has a, a great level of uh, nutrients in there. It gets into your system quite quickly. It's easy to uh, absorb into your body. Um, I do a lot of cooked fruit. So, <clears throat> so a lot of the fruits are really high in fibrous and some people have a hard time breaking down with the skins. And so I always remove, I cook apples and pears and remove all the skins, cook them down with butter, cinnamon. So it almost makes like an applesauce or mm -hmm. to that consistency. And, and I consume that quite a bit as well. So you talked about building this up over four or five years. Was that because that's kind of how long it took or, or that's just until you've developed this habit of doing that? Like I think everybody else, um, when I shifted my diet, and I was probably about 38, 39, and you know, my body was going through a metabolic craziness, and I, I was having a lot of negative things happening to me. Um, I was having hormonal issues. I was bloated. I was having some weight gain. Um, and, and I just felt like I was aging and I thought, well, this is much to be what 40 looks like. And, um, and I thought I was doing everything right in the world. And when I was uh, I started to learn this new approach about consuming more sugars. I, you know, I, it was scary to me because <laughs> I, <laughs> you know, as much as I read it and understood it, you, your old beliefs are, are very ingrained. And I had 18 years in, in the health club industry that, that sugar was just poison. And so it, it took me quite some time to really allow myself to consume more. You know, I started with some fruits and that was kind of my starting point. And I, I still got some decent results 
And as, as my journey kept going and I, as I, you know, allowed myself to consume more juices or, and, and things that I, I just thought were so horrible for me, um, my body actually became healthier and happier. My, my energy became better. And I, I just never had the sugar cravings. And I just think, you know, it was how I was consuming. I, I don't ever consume any of these sugars by themselves, meaning I do always combine them with some sort of protein or some sort of protein and fat to, to slightly slow the absorbency down so I'm not having these massive spikes in blood sugar. But, um, you know, so you, you kind of learn the process. You learn what, how your body works. You know, when, you are, when I'm more stressed, I, I can actually consume a pretty high amount of sugars and, and do quite well. Um, you know, what most happens to most people in, in a stressed state um, is they forget to eat all day and then they come home and they eat everything in sight because they, their body, you know, hasn't had, the need, hasn't had its needs met all day long. And, you know, they get into a cyclical cycle that basically stresses them out and then they ended up gaining weight and they have tons of cravings. And I've kind of learned how to divert that. Uh, in there, you talked about then making sure to balance that with proteins and fats then too. So we've gone over like, again, the, some of the OJ, some of the honey, uh, the cooked fruits, but what about, uh, proteins and fats? What are, what are ones that you're a big fan of? Uh, like if people check out the book, they can get into some more of these, but what, what do you do for yourself particularly? Well, I consume a good, a bit of dairy and another controversial topic out there in the nutritional world. Uh, you know, my, my research has tended to, to link me to that dairy is, is quite a good food. Um, it's a, it's a complete balanced food, so it has sugars, fats, and proteins already in it. And if you have a good quality milk, it's very high in calcium, so it's one of the best ways for your bodies to get calcium in. So I will consume a lot of dairy. It could be milk. It could be cottage cheese. Uh, I do some yogurt, a good amount of cheese. And, you know, that consists of a good part of my diet. Eggs are also included in that because they're a good uh, amount of fat and protein. Um, fish, white fish, shellfish mussels, shrimp, scallops. Um, I also eat liver about, I personally eat about three to four times a week in about a one ounce serving. Uh, liver is one of the most nutrition, nutritionally skilled food on this planet. Uh, I know a lot of people don't love it. <laughs> I don't particularly love it, but it's so, it's like I said, it's so filled with nutrition that it's such a great food to have. And, um, and I, I do, cons I do also consume a, a small amount of muscle meats. That's the chicken, the fat, uh, the chicken, the beef, lamb, um, any of those. Uh, I, I'm not as diligent about having it once or twice a week. I kind of, you know, sometimes it might be once, sometimes it might be four times. I kind of just listen to my body and I hear what it needs these days. And then that's essentially what I give it. But all of those are, are pretty good meats or, or proteins for, for anyone to have. So, with the making sure the not having too many of the muscle meats, can you expand upon that a little bit? Because this is something I see, uh, I, I used to see in myself a lot, uh, something that I've changed certainly over the last few years. But why is it that really just consuming pounds and pounds of chicken or beef or pork or really whatever type of muscle meat it might be, uh, can actually cause some damage to the body? Right. I mean, and and this comes from a lot of people that go, you know, into the paleo world or just on a high protein. And I did the exact same thing. And essentially, your body just doesn't need that much protein, I think, as we've all been led to believe, especially in the fitness industry. But uh, muscle meats, the composition of amino acids in there, you know, it, there's a lot of inflammatory amino acids in there. So when it does break down, it can cause inflammation in a lot of people's bodies. 
you know, that's why arthritics and a lot of people with autoimmune issues are told to avoid uh, muscle meats because when they do break down, they can cause inflammation. So it's kind of very person specific on what you can handle. I usually find that people that are healthier and have a higher running metabolism can handle the muscle meats a lot better. Um, it also depends on, you know, where does that muscle meat come from? You know, grass fed meats and red, and red meats are actually kind of better for you. They have less of the polyunsaturated fats as maybe something like a chicken might have just because of what their diet is. Cows have a tendency because they're grazing on grass, um, have much less polyunsaturated fat in the meat as something like a chicken that's, that could be eating corn or soy or whatever that farmer is feeding it. Most chickens that are consumed today aren't pastured. They're not, you know, popping around eating worms and grass and whatever that a normal chicken will eat that's just roaming the pasture. Most of them are fed some sort of corn and soy. And if they are fed corn and soy, then the tendency of that meat is going to be more in a polyunsaturated fat level. So you always kind of want to find out what your animal is eating, and that will help you understand if that meat that you're consuming is healthier for you or not. But long story short, too much muscle meat, then, you know, if you have too much, then your body's going to also try to break it down and utilize it as energy. And when, you know, instead of utilizing the, the very important carbohydrates, where, which are quite efficient, you know, using and going through a process of gluconeogenesis to produce carbohydrates out of that protein is a long process, which can produce things like ammonia and, broke, and breaking down into those inflammatory amino acids, which can cause some issues to the body long term. Now, how does exercise play into all of this nutrition? Like, you, I know you talked about in the book, again, you went from uh, probably crazy amounts of working out, and that's not an uncommon thing uh, to see these days, and really not getting the results that you wanted from it. So would you care to share a little bit about your story with that? Right. Uh, th and that's a great question, because, you know, in the fitness industry, we basically are, are given the green light to, to exercise our brains out if we want to, you know, <laughs> I mean, we're basically told do the more, the better, you know, go you work out two, three hours a day. That's awesome. You, you know, such great willpower, you know, you're so fit. And, and that's essentially what I did. I, you know, and, and I was a very fit individual. Um, but what ended up happening with we is I, I started to go through a series of overtraining. My body started breaking down. And, and when you are in a low metabolic state or are starting to have issues, which I was in my late 30s, you know, I, I just, you, you know, I had gone too hard, too far. And my diet wasn't encouraging to healing. I was on a, a low carbohydrate diet at the time. And my body wasn't healing itself or and I was just getting more and more damaged. And all that exercise was just making it worse. When you are in a low metabolic state and you are over-exercising, you're just continually suppressing your metabolism and stressing your body even more. And so when I realized that what another thing I needed to do when I started to go through my healing process was uh, uh, basically eliminate a lot of the exercise I was doing, especially the cardiovascular exercise. Uh, I, you know, I've run marathons, I've done long distance cycling events before, and I was just trashing my body. So that was a big mental hurdle for me. Um, when you, you've been brought up your whole life, and I was always an athlete, and exercise was always kind of, you know, my therapy per se. And I was now told, hey, you know, you've got to really back off of that and you know, if you want to get better. And so I struggled again with something like that. But, you know, luckily, I listened to the inner voice, and I, I cut back an immense amount. I think I do maybe 20 to 30 minutes of 
interval training now a week. That's it. <laughs> that's that's my cardio, which <laughs> it, I wouldn't even say it's cardio. It's, it's like I say, it's more of intervals. It's going on for 20 seconds and then going into complete recovery. So the, the total workload, I think, might be six minutes of, of that, which when, before I would do maybe an hour or more every day of the week. But, you know, my body heal, it feels a lot better now, and I don't need to exercise to, 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 to stay lean anymore. And that's kind of what I was doing before. And so when you, when you start to teach your body that it can be lean and you increase metabolic rate versus trying to exercise it off, um, it becomes a lot easier and your body becomes a lot happier. So what is your current exercise routine? So we talk about a little bit of the interval training there, but what else do you do on a weekly basis or what do you just enjoy doing, whether it's in the gym or even outside of the gym? Right. Today I, I do weight training about three times a week. Um, I do yoga two to three times a week and this isn't hot yoga or anything super intense. It's more internal work, um, stretching. And like I said, I might do one to two 20 minute interval sessions a week. Other than that, I'm outside. I walk my dog. Um, I'm spending time outside. You know, I, I do say I once a year I do a, a a training ride that could consist anywhere from 50 to 100 miles uh, to raise money for cancer. But that is it. And when I when I do that, I mean I monitor myself every day, and it's fascinating because I can literally see my body becoming more efficient, and actually, you know, my heart rate will lower. My body temperature will lower, you know, I'll be eating a lot more, but, you know, I, I, I'll get the metabolically damaging effects just from, you know, training for this, this event for three months. So it's a, it's a fascinating uh, way to, you know, see how your body can be very adaptive quite quickly in, in a negative fashion. Before even, you'd been talking about, uh, like, breakdown of the body then, too. So with a couple of things we've covered, and you said then along the lines of, uh, hormones, uh, and like aging. This is, you said a, a few years back. So I, I, I want to ask you like, how, ha, how has really balancing your hormones, uh, and why is that so important? Like, why is it that, okay, if you're eating right, if you're doing the right exercise program, how do those nutritional factors play into really keeping the hormones balanced and almost the myth of aging where everybody thinks, okay, like you talk about metabolism again, coming back to metabolism and well, metabolism is your definition of health. And again, a little expanded upon that, but why are hormones such an important part of that? Uh, and really why does just your age not really matter? That's just something that we always attribute it to. Well, hormones matter is, you know, you, you need them for a lot of functions of your body. And, and, and uh, once again, this can be considered your thyroid, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, um, you know, cortisol, all of those are going to play a factor. So, you know, I mean, there are a lot of different directions I can go in, but, you know, a high thyroid function or your thyroid is, is basically what's going to, you know, be utilized in your, your, your cells powerhouse to initiate energy. And so the thyroid has to be in there. So if you are in low thyroid function, then basically your metabolism can start dropping. The essential hormone that you need to trigger energy <clears throat> is going to be depleted. And so every essential process in your body is going to start slowing down. You know, and when that happens, then you're going to start seeing slow digestion. 
slow hormonal function, slow detoxification, low immune system, you know, decrease in muscle mass. All of these things slowly but surely start to occur because you have low thyroid function. And thyroid is needed, like I said, for every process in your body. When you are in a high stress state, your thyroid is always going to be suppressed. So high stress is antagonistic to thyroid function. So anything that your body is doing when you get in that state is going to kind of increase your stress bucket per se, you know, everything. And that can include things like exercise, your work, your family, then you are just going to keep suppressing your thyroid function. And so we have to learn to kind of, you know, trigger that and, and increase and remove stress and then do everything to support uh, thyroid function. And, you know, and with aging, essentially all I say is you have more things in your life that are probably going to uh, increase stress level. And over time, you know, they're all going to keep increasing on the, on the level of the stress. And so until we, in, like, in the longer you live, the more that's going to happen. So until you realize that basically what you have to start doing is taking things out of that stress bucket and supporting thyroid function, which is, once again, consuming the right sugars, the right amount of protein, the right amount of fat, and all those things, you're just going to be running into that negative cycle, and, you know, which is going to eventually essentially mess up all the rest of your hormones, which could be the estrogen, progesterone, testosterone. And those are also going to be suppressed because all of your steroidal hormones, which are the ones I just talked about, are converted from cholesterol which is needed to, and for the cholesterol is to need to convert into the sterile hormones is you need thyroid. So again, if you don't have high thyroid, your cholesterol is going to rise and then you're going to have a depletion in all of the steroidal hormones, which is what happens to a lot of people essentially. And that's, you know, that's going to show up in high cholesterol numbers. Could you expand upon, uh, just that high cholesterol a little bit? Because people always think, well, okay, there's always the hey, I'm eating too much saturated fat, I'm eating too much cholesterol. Why is it that that's really not a, a really uh, big indicator of your cholesterol levels, though? Right. And, and it's a good point, Nick, because, in fact, the FDA has just released information saying, it, you know, now it's total cholesterol is really not something that we need to be paying attention to. And now they've also said, hey, dietary cholesterol or the cholesterol you consume with your foods is not also something that we need to be worrying about. You know, most of the, the cholesterol that you, that you that is in that shows up in your blood levels is produced from your liver, and it's not from the foods that you're consuming. So if your cholesterol is high, it means your liver is producing it, but it maybe is not converting it. And because once again, what is needed to convert that cholesterol is thyroid hormone or active thyroid hormone. And if once again, if you have low thyroid or in a hypothyroid state or in a very stressed state, you're gonna it's gonna show up as high cholesterol. High cholesterol is a big link to being hypothyroid or in a low metabolic state. You know, unfortunately, when you go to your doctor, and you know, they don't test things like that. Some do, but most do not. And then they just give you a statin that's going to essentially lower cholesterol, not in the right way. Um, it's just gonna, uh, <laughs> right? Always ask your doctor, how does this drug work? I, I find it fascinating that nobody ever asks their doctor things, important questions. So what, what is this drug doing to my body to, to relieve this symptom? You know, because just because a drug relieves a symptom does not mean it's healthy for you. Just because it's producing a, a good lab result doesn't mean that what they just gave you is healthy for you. And statins are not healthy for you. They should never be consumed for the majority of your lifespan, which so many people are on. Um, you know, a lot of people literally can get on a thyroid medication and they, their cholesterols will drop right back to where they need to be. And, and, and in the healthy way, because now their body has converted that cholesterol to probably the much needed 
steroidal hormones that, that, that they needed because, you know, now they can start producing the testosterone they needed, the progesterone they needed, and all these things that maybe they were lacking in because they didn't have enough active thyroid in their body. So, Kate, I want to shift gears here a little bit. I mean, we've talked a little bit about uh, stress, and this kind of relates to that, but what would be your favorite vice? Favorite vice for yeah. stress relief? Well, it could be uh, something that you like to eat, something that you like to do. I mean, just, I mean, one of those vices, like a lot of people will say something like chocolate or something along those lines. But I mean, is there anything that really sticks out for you? Uh, as far as food, um, my two are chocolate and ice cream. Um, those are the two <laughs> that if I feel, at, if I feel stressed at night, um, and I think a lot of people feel stressed at night, you know, sleep issues is a huge problem in today's world. Um, but a, a big help for me is I will have ice cream, milk, and honey and, and mix all that up. And that tends to bring my stress levels or I can feel literally my stress hormones dropping with that uh, concoction. Um, so that's a big one for me. Chocolate does seem to work um, not at night as well. I don't use it because the chocolate might trigger me to stay up. But, um, you know... I guess also for me is, you know, I, I'm a deep breather. And so I, when I start to feel stress, it's more of me also coming internal and, and focusing on my breath and kind of letting it and feeling it and controlling it. And then that will start bringing me down as well. Now, do you use any practices, whether it be like breath work, meditation, uh, mindfulness? I mean, do you have anything like that that you like to use on a daily basis? I do meditate. I mean, and, and, it, and it can be for five minutes. And literally when I start to feel, and I think a lot of people, I mean, I'm very conscious of my, my internal signals, whether it's my heart starts to race or whatever it is is starting to tell me that something's triggering a stress response for me. Um, I can literally shut it off, close my eyes and do some deep breathing. Sometimes I'll do some bag breathing, which will kind of help too, and it kind of increases that CO2 within your blood. Um, and it will calm you. And so just by kind of focusing internal and maybe what that thought is that's creating the stress, because usually it's not anything other than the thought in your head that is stressing you um, and kind of getting a handle on that and doing some breaths, that's, that'll slow me down. And then sugar. <laughs> and, you know, like I said, sugar, spoonfuls of honey, ice cream, those will settle you as well. All right. So what would be... What's maybe the uh, your favorite or like best health related purchase that you've made in the last like six months to a year under fifty dollars? It's really just made a big impact on your life. Health related purchase. And that could be uh, along the lines of food. It could be a book. It could be uh, an audio, something you downloaded. I mean, anything along those lines, or. It could be a pair of socks that you just absolutely love because they keep you cozy and you feel good. I don't. It doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow! In the last six months, I got, well, I've I've read a lot of books. I don't know if they've really shifted my my health per se. Um, I think most of what I have done in the last six months, probably what I've done in the last five years. I will say one thing that I purchase uh, is I, I now go to the store and purchase bone broth from the store versus making my own bone broth. Yeah. And that, that has literally changed because bone broth is great for healing your gut. It's also great uh, c to consume at night. It does help relax you. And I, I actually sleep well with that too. Um, and I used to make bone broth and I hated it to <laughs> every 
You know, it was one thing I would recommend to all my clients and I was like, oh, but I hate it so bad. I mean, you have to cook it for about two days. Anyways, right. the grocery stores here now carry fresh. It's in the frozen section. We have a local guy who makes it and it's just been a dream to me. I just go in and buy a couple bags every week. And, um, you know, now I can consider, I consume it regularly versus irregularly before because I didn't like to, to make it that much. But, um, it's, it's, it's such a wonderful, uh, food to add into your diet. That's, you know, I, I quite enjoy it. It's very relaxing. It's great for your gut. It's great. It's a great composition of amino acids, very high in glycine, which, you know, if you have any ulcerations of the gut or gut issues, it's just something that everybody consumes. if you have that issue. Now, if not everybody has access to it, uh, do you recommend they make it? Is there anything else that they can eat, uh, to at least help, uh, with something similar to bone broth? Right. Yeah, right after that huge recommendation of how wonderful it was to cook it, um, <laughs> there there are some places you could order online and, and order your own bro at tropicaltraditions.com. You can actually order it. It's a little bit expensive, but you can order it directly. Um, I would tell people, I mean, it depends on your health. And if gut issues are a real problem, you know, and take the effort, you can cook a chicken bone broth, which would take a, a quite a, a shorter period of time, about 10 hours to make versus a beef bone broth, which would take two, day, two days to make. And you can, you know, do it in your crock pot. Um, the other option is to just use uh, hydrolyzed collagen. Um, it's gelatin. It's dried. Um, I use Great Lakes gelatin, and that also has the same amino acid composition as a bone broth. It's just dry. It doesn't have the same mineral base as a bone broth. It's just more of the amino acids, but it also can be quite good for you, and it's quite healing for the gut. And I, I agree with you on that one. That's where I was I, – I figured you were going to go. I mean, mm -hmm. it's – okay. It, the nice thing about the collagen is it's simple. It's easy to use, but the amount of just minerals and everything that's in that bone broth it's still tough to beat it really is yeah it, i mean it's essentially i you know i think it's a superfood it's you know that liver a few others you know they're they're not the most fun to consume they're hard <laughs> on some level but again this all comes down to where you are in your health what are you able to put on in your healing journey i mean if i was very sick you know personally i would do anything if that's what it took that's where i'm going um, luckily I live in Southern California, so everybody gets on a lot of the bandwagons here and make businesses out of things, which I'm totally ha fine with. And, and people make it here now. So it, it takes a little bit of the effort out of me and my workload, but it's one of those foods that is incredibly valuable for you, for your, your body and the healing process. So Kate, it sounds like you've made a lot of changes. Over, well, probably over your entire, uh, really health journey, but uh, is there any one that really was uh, most recent that really stands out uh, that's something you've kind of made a big shift on for yourself? Recently, well, I'm, you know, I'm always trying and doing new things. Um, I, I have started more of a yoga practice, I would say, probably in the last six months. Um, you know, I almost wanted to get down to doing zero uh, cardiovascular or anything heart racing at all. I mean, I like to do a little bit because I think it feels good. Um, I've been doing a lot more internal work versus external work, and I think that has really helped me. Um, you know, like I said, dietary-wise, I haven't really made a lot of shifts. It's it's been the first time in my my life that I, I've pretty much stayed to the same approach for over a year. I you know I have been doing this five or six years now, and I would it's the only thing that makes sense to me at this point. You know, once I understood 
the physiology and really understood my body a lot better and started listening to my body and stopped avoiding every, you know, every other diet I, I had done up to this, I was constantly in <laughs> fight mode with my body. My body would say, wait, I, I want something sweet. I want something salty. And I'm like, no, you know, I, I use all willpower in my body to, 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 to not do that. And I, I now know that, you know, if I want something sweet, that's what my body's needing. If I need something salty, that's what my body's needing. You know, and those two nutrients right there, uh, sugar and salt, are huge parts of my diet. Um, and both of them help with stress. And that's why you crave them when you're stressed, because that's what your body is needing. It's just understanding the delivery system and how you should give it to your body. And once you do understand that, you're, you know, your body's going to become much happier. And Kate, I love the point that you make there. Like, we crave these foods, but it's not that we shouldn't be eating them because when we think of, I, I think the the common uh, misconception is a craving is always for something that's more so, like, just completely highly processed and it's just such, like, a bastardized food, for lack of a better term. Like, I mean, just a Twinkie or, like, Ho-Ho's cupcakes, like, all these things, uh, rather than, okay honey, ice cream, milk, like, yeah, they still can have a fair amount of sugar in them. But talk, going back to that nutrition you talked about before with it, they're still loaded with that nutrition. And salt is also not a bad thing. Like when our body is stressed, we're going to need extra salt. Uh, I, I just, I appreciate you bringing up that point because I think that's something that's so important for people to hear. Yeah. I mean, you know, we are taught, and I think it's just because Things like salt end up being in the, in the wrong place at the wrong time. It's just like cholesterol is, you know, people are like, oh, you have high blood pressure. You know, you have your body's holding on to salt. So what we need to do is we need to remove the salt and that's going to take your blood pressure down. And, and that's just a misunderstanding of physiology is going on in your body. The salt is not causing the high blood pressure, the stress, something stressing <laughs> your body, right? You go to the doctor and they're just like, here, let me put you on a you know, a, a blood pressure medication without even discussing with you how your life is insane. And, you know, I, I just think it's an injustice to people because we're not really helping them. We're putting them on something that is now shifting their body and it's not addressing why their body is doing that. And it's salt is not the problem. Salt is just there because yes, your body now has more demands and it needs more nutrients. So your blood pressure is now going to increase because you are stressed. That's why you're having that reaction. And essentially, your body actually might need more salt at that point in time and not less. And, you know, a lot of the research out there shows you that the people who are living longer are consuming about, you know, 3,000 milligrams of salt a day versus what the, the, the U.S. recommends, which is about half of that. And, you know, we're putting people on all these weird diets, these low-sodium diets. And, yes, what it may be doing is helping them remove a lot of the processed foods. And I think that has why they show improvements. You know, people that are usually eating high sodium diets, it's usually a lot of it's processed. So yes, removing all that will help them. But salt, again, is, is not the problem. Salt is a very good anti-stress nutrient um, and, you know, can be used. And I use it all day long. I can use it at night. Salty milk is a great thing to consume at night to help bring your stress down. And, you know, once again, once you understand that how your body is actually functioning, you would, you would start to realize, you know, I, I don't need to remove those things from my, from my body. And I, I think that we do people an injustice by not sharing and explaining 
you know, ha- that, that process to them. And, and so, when, you know, that's the first thing I always like to do when I work with people is like, hey, we're going to have a little physiology explanation here <laughs> so that we, they can learn to make the right choices. I'm not here to tell them what to do. I'm only here to it, give them an understanding of, you know, how their body working because, you know, only they can know. I mean, it's the same thing. I can either teach you to fish or I can just give you the fish and I'd rather teach you so that you know, as you go along your healing journey, you can understand your body better so that you can make the right choices for yourself. And that's very well put. So thank you. Okay. Uh, like one, one thing I'm curious about uh, is what is your thank vision you. for a healthy future? So what will health look like either for yourself, for the world, whatever it might be in, in 10 years in a hundred years, where do you think we're really going? Healthy future? Yeah. As for a healthy future for, for uh, either for yourself, for all of us, like where where is where is uh, health kind of taking us currently? Um, well, I I actually think it's starting. I think there's a revolution of people that have decided that the information that we're being given, whether it's through the schooling systems or doctors and um, advertisements, so forth, is is the wrong information. And so a lot of people are are self learning and trying to to create a different path for themselves. So I, I think what we all need to understand is don't put your health into someone else's hands. You know, don't put it into your doctor's hands or whoever. Be your own experimenter. Be your own self-explorer. You know, try to really figure out how your body is working. I think, you know, we, for so, far too long, we've put all of our health in, in all these authoritarian hands. And we're, being t- we're, we're going in a direction that is making a lot of people money, but it's making a lot of people more sick. And, you know, we're going into the forms of surgeries and medications and all of these procedures that are just, they're not working. They're not making us healthier. You know, the end result is, is not health. It's just more dysfunction. And so, you know, what I would like to see in the, in the future is, is, like I said, people taking and putting their health in their own hands and, 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 and exploring. I mean, yes, the Internet is, there's a lot of garbage on the inter- Internet, but there's also a lot of the answers are on the Internet and there's a huge place, you know, there's a lot of information on there that will open your eyes. I mean, it's out there. The information is there. It's just you want to look for it or not. You know, do you want to take health into your own hands or do you just want to be put into the system, which a lot of people are? And that's okay. I mean, if that's what you choose and that's the journey that you're choosing, it's, it's, that's your journey, you know. But if you would prefer a healthier and longer life and to not be in these spins of deprivation and prescription and all of this other stuff, then the information is out there. Like I said, you just kind of have to look for it. And I think that's a great way to put it because all too often we're just looking for that quick fix, just the answer from somebody from above, from below, from whatever it may be. And we have to find it out for ourselves. Uh, And that's where I, I have certainly found myself, Oh, I read all these books. I look at all, take all these courses and still exactly. Okay. They're all, they're all good. They're all very, very good. And each of them has their own points, but none of them are me. And that's where I have to find still what works best for myself. So on your health journey, and really, I guess I should say currently, what has been your... Exactly. You know, oh, yeah. Please. And I would just... Okay. I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. Sorry. I thought I lost you there. Uh, no, I was going to say, you, were, you I think you wanted to expand upon that a little? Yes. Please. Yeah. I lost you there. Um, well, what I was going to say is, I mean, in the course of, you know, ever since I was 15, I started reading magazines or, 
you know, what, whatever I started to do at that point in time that made me intrigued about myself and where I could achieve whatever I thought was my belief system at the time was healthy. Every single thing I did led me to the place I'm at today. So, you know, we can all look at other people and say, well, they're doing the wrong thing or they're doing the wrong thing, or they're, they're doing the wrong thing or whatever it is, because maybe you know better. But yet that's where they that's exactly where they need to be in their health journey so that they can maybe learn that that isn't going to work for them so that it will create the next step for them to learn more information. So it's a constant learning process. Right. And whatever you're learning now is part of the learning process, whether you're going to learn that it's the wrong thing and that's going to be a step in the right direction. Or maybe you're going to learn something right about that process that's going to put you in the right direction. So, you know, my journey was 25 years. And, and I hope it's still going to continue so I can, you know, get to the next place. I don't think this is the end. Um, but yet, you know, I feel this is literally the healthiest I've ever been. And the, it, it really at this point is the least amount of effort <laughs> that I've had to do as far as my mind, as far as the consumption. It used to just consume me um, as far as how do I get fit? What is my next meal? You know, where am I, when am I going to work out? You know, and I, I and I started, you know, my body would say, okay, now you're done. I mean, and all of these things started happening. Life and everything becomes so much easier and it creates space for other things that are going on in your world. So, okay. Sorry. I, I think and I might have lost. <laughs> all right, guys. Sorry. We, we kind of had a, a little bit of a mix up there. Uh, Skype, Skype sometimes likes to go in and out. Uh, okay. Okay. So what we'll do then let's let's uh i want to still be respectful of your time here we've been talking for a while uh one of the last questions i i always ask people is who would you want to hear on this podcast and what would you want to ask them or what would you want to hear them talk about well i would always love to hear ray pete i've listened to uh ray speak probably 50 other times and um ray pete is a chemist slash biologist slash uh just self-researcher and if you haven't heard about him you know should google him and he has some amazing articles on the internet they're they're pretty complex um so you might have to read them 10 times or you know you can you can read my book which i you're 20 right or like i said i I utilize his work a lot of my books i i really tried to put a lot of his work into a more layman's way to understand it um so he, he himself, he is a plethora of knowledge and, you know, and he, the man gives, I think, you know, the really aspect of what his, his life entails is it just, you know, he's giving to make this world a better place. And he just continues to give and, and selflessly um, to, to, to really speak the truth. And he's not someone that's going to sell you anything or, or, or try to get you to, you know, do one of his programs. It's just, that's not who he is. It's just, here's the truth. This is what I know. Let me tell you why what you have learned is probably incorrect. Um, but he's an, he's an amazing guy. And okay. Yeah. I think that's an excellent point. Uh, he, he really starting to help simplify, break down some of his work, uh, just on nutrition, on metabolism, on just health in general. So, I think people really, if they're, if they're looking for a simple way to go do that, uh, but where can they find out uh, more about you, more about your work then too? Well, you can go to my website, which is Kate Deering, K-A-T-E Deering, D-E-E-R-I-N-G.com. You can go, I have a lot of articles on my website. Um, you can also go to Facebook, which I contribute to every day and have conversations about health and topics, which is Kate Deering Fitness on Facebook. And just like me, and you can follow the posts, and there's tons of information and conversations going on there. 
Um, or of course, you can also, you know, go on Amazon. You can buy the book. It's the most affordable uh, plethora of information that you could ever get uh, on how to heal your metabolism. And are there any uh, parting words you'd like to leave to the listeners, whether it be uh, about the book on metabolism, uh, just health in general, anything that you would like to leave them with or even request of them to uh, help you out at all? Well, I think the biggest point I would, I would like to tell people is, you know, don't put your health in the hands of anybody else, not your doctor, not your partner, not your nutritionist or, or in me, you know, whatever you hear, like, see if it works for you in your life, be your own self experimenter. Um, you know, this is your life and, and it can be, it, it doesn't have to be under the confines of what other people tell you. If you're on medications, there's a good possibility you can get off. If you want to live a healthier life, get thinner or whatever that is, it can happen. You know, you just have to know that there are routes out there. And, um, you know, I'd say, you know, spend the investment, um, go on at least on my Facebook and, and start to learn possibly a different way of what you've been learning because just because nutrition, you know, is a very new topic in our world and there's a lot we don't know and we've already made a lot of mistakes and those mistakes are still being told by your doctors and a lot of other people out there. So like I said, become your own, your, the best experimenter that you possibly know out and then learn to, to, to uh, take care of yourself in that aspect. So okay, then I do have a quick question on that because you talked about even uh, before listening to the body then as well. Are there any recommendations that you have for people or that you use for yourself to be able to be more in tune with your body to kind of feel if it's, if it's the right nutrition for you, if it's the right exercise for you, uh, if you're getting the right sleep, anything like that? Right. I mean, and, and that's a good point, Nick. I, I am a, a big, like, you, you need to record your information because that's going to help you know if things are working for you or not. So I usually have people food log and write down what they're eating. I, I use charts that actually break down their macronutrients. So, so it breaks down their fats, carbs, and proteins. You can go to chromometer.com and it will break them down, uh, I think, at least by daily food um, as to what you're eating. Um, another tools that you can use is, is using a thermostat or thermostat thermometer, <laughs> right? You can find out how hot it is outside. Um, <laughs> you can use a thermometer to take your temperature and, you know, that is going to give you a good understanding of where you're at metabolically. Um, most people are very surprised. It's not something you think about doing unless you're sick, but get a thermometer and take it in the morning, midday, or, you know, after you eat. And, and chart your temperature. Um, most people are going to be surprised that they're they're running below normal. Normal is ninety eight point six. Um, most people are going to be surprised that you know could be a cool ninety six ninety seven degrees. And then the other thing to take is also your pulse. So chart both of those um, and and pay attention to what those numbers are through the day or through the week. And you know if food is is working properly for you, it should be increasing your temperature and your pulse. So it, that's how you create heat and thermogenics. Um, and so you'll chart that. If if it's not doing that, then there are other reasons why you know your temp and pulse might be dropping. And usually it's because you're a stressed body. And so if food and uh, excuse me, if food drops your temperature, uh, it's just saying that your body's very stressed, and now it's it's bringing down those stress hormones. Um, again, I, I go much more into depth into that in the book that will help you understand on a deeper level what all of these things mean. But yes, charting what you're eating, you know, food logging, that's going to be, you know, that's going to tell you a lot about what's going on in your body. 
So like, again, it, it's a process. Um, but if, you know, if you're willing to take those steps, you know, you'll, you'll start learning, huh, this is, works for me. This doesn't work for me. Very good. Well, Kate, thank you again. Uh, everybody make sure head over katedeering.com, check her out on Facebook, get the book, how to heal your metabolism. I mean, it's going to be an awesome read. So again, Kate, thank you so much for your time. Uh, I'm sure everybody's going to be, uh, thinking about this one for a bit because there's a lot in there, a lot of great stuff. So again, thank you very much. Thank you, Nick. I appreciate it. Thanks for letting me uh, get on the show. For sure. You're welcome. Have a great day. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to head over to BarenakedHealthPodcast.com to get your top 10 world-class nutrition tips from the experts to help you simplify your health journey. While you're there, Go to my calendar and schedule a 15-minute call so we can discuss what is your biggest struggle when it comes to maintaining your health. Also, if the show has helped you out in any way, please head over to iTunes to give the Bare Naked Health Podcast a positive comment and a five-star rating. This really goes a long way in getting the word out with how simple health can be and helping to share the podcast with others. Mm-hmm.